Are you ready for the message today? I decided we're still on alliterations, you know, and I decided after last week, almost in the middle of the message, because I didn't get to some things that I really believed that we needed uh, to, to hear from God, but I wanted to do part two of politics and priests. So this message is politics and priests, part two. I really believe it's going to speak to you. And if you didn't watch part one, please, not right now, I guess you're going to have to like I don't know. You're going to have to watch part two. And then kind of, we do that sometimes. Like with The Office, I started in the middle of the season one time. So I'm going to watch season number four. And then I went back to the beginning. It's fine. It'll all connect the dots. But make sure you don't watch this one and then not watch the other one because uh, they, they all connect. Politics and Priests, part two. Are you ready? We're going to open and read from Exodus 32, uh, verses 27 through 35. Jamaica, beloved daughter, uh, preacher, preach from Exodus 32 up in a powerful way. What was your alliteration? Uh, worship and worship, warfare. Worship and warfare. Shoot. I felt the anointing on that. Jamaica can preach. And so I'm going to kind of pick up where she left off, at least from that passage of scripture in Exodus 32, verses 27 through 35. It reads like this. Moses told them, this is what the Lord of God of Israel says to each of you. Take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, <laughs> even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. Like, I just wanted to start off with an encouraging <laughs> scripture from the Lord. So I'm going to read that again. Verse 27 says, Moses told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each of you take your swords, go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. And the church said, Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't it interesting how we can avoid these passages of scripture throughout our entire church life? I just do, do a chat. Has anybody ever preached and, and people grew up in church? Sam, people in here grew up in church. Have you ever heard a pastor preach from Exodus 32, 27? Like, where do you go from that? And I think that if we don't understand and we don't lean into the gravity of what happened in this passage of scripture, we can't understand the gravity of how much God loves us and has given us grace. Because what happened, if you watch uh, Jamaica's message, which you should, Worship and Warfare, they just got done with the most unbelievable idol worship possible. Moses was approaching the mountain of God. He was engaging with God. He was bringing down the Ten Commandments. And Aaron, who was going to be the first high priest and all of God's people, threw a party, threw all their jewelry. In, uh, they went to Daniel's jewelry, Michael's. They threw all of it. Threw it in the fire and made a golden calf out of it. And, and worship the golden calf. And this would have been all the gold and the jewelry that God had blessed them with as they were leaving Egypt. He blessed them with all this gold and jewelry from Egypt, and they made an idol out of it and worshiped it. Jamaica talked amazingly about this concept that sometimes what God blesses us with, we make an idol out of. God has blessed us with this nation, and if we're not careful, we make an idol out of this nation, and we become more patriotic than we are prophetic. I, I said it. It's, it's very important because there is nothing wrong with being a patriot until it affects your ability to prophetically hear from the Lord what he's doing specifically, not just for America, but throughout the U.S., throughout the world and in the kingdom of heaven. It's very important that, and I believe there's a way to do both. There's a way to be a patriot and a way to be prophetic. There's a way to be in politics and a way to be a priest. And so when they did this and they worshiped other gods, God said, kill everybody in the house. Just kill everybody. 
Because if we don't understand the gravity of idol worship, then we don't understand the blessing of the grace of Jesus sending. So, so if you have to read, I know you want to skip over Exodus 27 and maybe nobody's ever preached over this, but God is so gracious and we kept sinning. He said, you know what? Exodus 27, this is what has to happen to people. But, but, in, but then in the, in the gospels, this is what Jesus took on our behalf. So this never has to happen again because this type of punishment, this type of the wrath of God went to Jesus on the cross. So then now you can experience God's love without wrath because Jesus took that wrath on the cross. Oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And it says, the Levites obeyed Moses' command. There was a bunch of other tribes there, and only the Levites obeyed Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. Then Moses told the Levites, today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord. Remember when we got ordained? We talked about one-year anniversary. I got like anointing oil. People prayed for me. I had a turtleneck on. <laughs> I didn't have to kill anyone to be ordained for the service of the Lord. But if this was the time in Exodus 32, in order to be ordained for service to God, I would have had to kill everyone in the room who had something that was more important to them than God. Oh my gosh, 3,000 people died that day. And he says, so you obeyed him, even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. The next day Moses said to the people, you have committed a terrible sin, but I will go back to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I'll be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. Does this sound familiar? This is what Jesus did for us on the cross. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. Moses didn't just love God. He loved idolatrous unbelief. He, he loved people who had done nothing but dishonor him. He loved them so much. He said, God, I saw that 3,000 people just died. But honestly, if you're not going to forgive the rest of these people that are left over, I will put my relationship on the line. Where are those people at in the church? Can you imagine if we're like, you know what, Lord? I, I really am frustrated with our president right now, and I don't know what's going on with him, but I'll tell you what, if you forgive him, they haven't even repented yet. If you forgive him, matter of fact, I'll put my own relationship with you on the line. I'll put my own relationship with you on the line if you just forgive our president. Or if you're for our president and you just don't like the leftist, that just makes me laugh, the leftist, you don't like the leftist media, you go to the Lord in his presence and you say, I will put my relationship with you. If you don't forgive them, take my name out of the book. If they're going to go down, I'm going down with them. That is some real Christ-like leadership. It's like the captain going down with the ship. It's like it's literally that type of honor saying, I love the people you have called me to represent. These people are worshiping idols. At one point, they wanted to kill Moses, and Moses is still saying, I'll lay my life down. That's real church leadership, not counting sheep, laying your life down. For the sheep. No wonder the church is asleep because we're counting sheep, not feeding them like Jesus has said. And this type of leadership is who I really believe as pastors and leaders in the church we should aspire to be. He says, You can take my name out of the book. But the Lord said, No, I'm going to erase the name of everyone who sinned against me. Now go lead the people to the place I told you about. Look, my angel 
will lead the way before you. And when I come to call the people to account, I will certainly hold them responsible for their sins. Then the Lord sent a great plague upon the people because they had worshiped the calf Aaron made. This passage of scripture is designed to let us know how serious the sin of idol worship is. But it's also designed to let us know that this is the first time in scripture where God chose a group of people to be priests before the Lord. Because the Levites had killed their family members, the Levites, because they worshiped idols, the Levites were the only people, group, family, tribe of Israel who could go into the temple and serve God because they had proven once and for all that they were not the ones. Some Bible scholars say that they did not participate in the worship aspect, or they repented and changed their mind when Moses came down the mountain. Either way, from that point on, throughout the Old Testament, people were struck down dead if they tried to touch the Ark of the Covenant, what represents the glory and the presence of God, without, and not being a Levite, they were struck dead. So this is how God chose his priests. Why is this important? Well, he chose his priests in Exodus 32, because they had killed 3,000 people. The Bible tells us, you and I, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm going to read that soon. But look at the moment that happened that turned you and I into priests. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 43 says this, let all the house, this is Peter preaching to the people who had killed Jesus. This time, as God's getting ready to launch his church, all of us together, a priesthood serving God. This time, not 3,000 people died. One person had died, and it was Jesus. And Peter was preaching those 3,000 deaths, the wrath of God, all encompassed in the death of one sinless man, Jesus Christ. Peter's preaching that y'all killed Jesus. You didn't kill your brothers. You didn't kill your sons. You killed Jesus. Now, I thought killing people was bad, and it is. But can you imagine, can you imagine killing Jesus? I mean, if you got to kill somebody, please don't let it be Jesus. Like, that has got, I don't, I think murder's terrible, but that is the worst murder in human history. You killed God's son. You killed God's son. And Peter is talking to the people who killed God's son. And I am ready for the wrath of God to strike the people who killed God's son. Because right here, Acts 2, verse 36, it says, Let all the house of Israel know, therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, <laughs> Hey, bro, you know, they, all of a sudden they start switching LA. Brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The people who murdered Jesus were invited into priesthood. For the promise, the, the promise... We, you killed Jesus and, and I'm talking to you about the promises of God? I, I wonder if I could talk to a politician about the promises of God, whether I agreed with them or not. I, I wonder if I could talk to an NBA player about the promises of God, whether I agreed with them or not. Or not. I wonder if I'm Christian enough, if I'm priest enough to engage, because Peter talked about the promises of God to the murderers of Jesus. Yeah. 
in the same sermon. That one, I would have waited till next week. You kill, you kill my dog. You ain't got to kill Jesus. You kill my pet. Stay tuned. Let's see how you roll this next couple of days. No, no, no. Who would you talk about the prompt? If you're going to do politics and priests well, you have to decide right now, who would I talk about the promises of God to? Would I talk to the, about the promises of God to a Democrat if I'm a Republican? Would I talk about the promises of God to a Republican if I'm a Democrat? Because Peter, operating in the anointing of his royal priesthood, brought up the promises of God to the murderers of his Lord and Savior. And he goes, it's for you and your children. He got generational. So 3,000 sons and daughters died, and Peter's talking about a promise not death, not punishment, not wrath, but promises. And with many other words, he was preaching. <laughs> they didn't even want to write them all down. Like he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there that day was 3000 souls. Don't you think that's specific? Didn't we just read a passage of scripture where the, where the priests were chosen because 3,000 people died, and now we're reading a passage of scripture where priests were chosen and 3,000 people were saved? Oh, I feel the glory of the Lord in him here. And the, and the priests that were chosen in the Old Testament were chosen because they killed all of those who worshiped idols. The priests who were chosen in the New Testament just repented of killing Jesus. Can you not see the grace of God happening in our hearts right now? This is why we got to go to the word. Because I would have thought that God would have said, this is it. They admitted it. They killed Jesus. Strike them down. No, 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 no. Welcome to church. Can you imagine that first week of growth track? <laughs> Some of them people might have still had blood on their clothes and they were in the presence of God and filled with the Holy Spirit. Where is that kind of grace in the church? Where is that kind of priesthood in the church? Where is that kind of favor in the church? Where is that kind of love in the church where somebody can still have blood on their clothes from killing Jesus and we invite him in and say, the promises is for you, your kids, your children, and all the 10,000 people they name in that song, The Blessing. They just keep going. Your children and your children. And that's what Peter said. That's where that song came from. And your children. You just got a bunch of kids. It's a blessing. You know how important this is. And they, who's they? Verse 42. And they, the murderers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I need to just, just tell you just that moment where the priests were chosen in Exodus 32 and the moment where the priests were released in Acts chapter 2 were two totally different experiences, all because the wrath that we saw in Exodus 32, Jesus took for us on the cross. And how we can honor that is by walking in the calling of a priest the way that God has asked us to do, even not allowing politics to get in the way. Because they didn't even allow people who murdered Jesus to get in the way of their love. Jeez, this will change like your life. And I know I, I would be happy if a really godly person was in leadership. 
But if you look at Old Testament leadership, uh, there's a, a few styles of leadership. There are priests, there are prophets, there are judges, there are godly kings and wicked kings. It's pretty much all of the leadership positions in the, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, I mean, you don't, in the church, you don't really see, they don't really bring up priests too much. They do bring up prophets. They, they, there's no judges and there's no godly kings. You can't find a godly king. There's no King David in the New Testament because we went from godly kingly leadership to King Jesus. So being under King Jesus nullified, golly. And we're still acting like we're in the Old Testament. Nope, we need a godly king. We need King David. We need the perfect king to be under. And it was the Israelites who asked for a king, but it was the New Testament priestly uh, uh, leaders that just repented and said, when you repent, Jesus will be my king. Therefore, I'm living in the kingdom of God, not the democracy of America. Now, does that mean that you should not vote? You better vote. You should vote. It's your civic duty, but your kingdom duty is different than your civic duty. And don't skip out on your, your kingdom priestly duty to fulfill your political civic duty. That's all I'm talking about right now. You absolutely should vote. You should pray. You should believe. But what I'm saying to you is, is that it is not true that you need a, 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 a American leadership to walk into the blessings of God. You don't need that. They didn't need that. These spirit-filled and spirit-led believers and a bunch of wicked kings. It was almost like God didn't really need Herod to sit down. God didn't need Nero to sit down. These people were as demonic as you could possibly imagine. These were Roman kings and, and emperors who, when they wanted a boy and they were believing for a boy and, and they got a girl, they would just drop the girl off in the desert. And the Christians could not vote for them to stop doing that. You know what the Christians did with the babies? They went and got them. There was no voting. And I'm not saying don't vote, but what I'm saying is it was their service to the Lord as a royal priesthood and a holy nation that changed society. They changed it from the inside out. And that's what I'm asking us to do. You know, God throughout his Bible has had issues with nations, but he's often had issues with priests. And the way that they were doing that, because God knew if I could get the priest to do their job, it would shift the nation. That's what I'm submitting to you. I'm not trying to deny that there isn't systemic racism. I'm not trying to deny that we need a great president. I'm not trying to deny some of the issues that are in your heart. I'm not trying to deny that you might even be right about what you're thinking about politics. What I'm trying to say is that God knows he did this on purpose. If I can release my people, my kingdom priests into Los Angeles, into DC, into America, then everything that they're worried about will shift. And so we find in scripture that God pays close attention when priests aren't doing their job. Malachi 1 verses 10 through 14 are about priests who are tripping. Have you ever heard Malachi 1 in church? No, because that's the one about the pastors. (laughs) You hear Malachi 3. Because that's the one about the tithers. But before he addressed your old janky offering, 
he addressed in Malachi 1 the janky leadership that was collecting the janky offering. Can I preach to you for a second? He addressed the priest in Malachi chapter 1, and this is what he said in verse 10. Uh, just in case you think that any time a building is closed, it is the devil or it is the governor. Verse 10 says that the prophet Malachi, inspired by the spirit of God, said this, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. That's God. That's not Gavin Newsom. That's God. It's not Gavin Newsom. That's God. How I wish one of you would shut the temple door so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I'm not pleased with you and I will not accept your offerings. My name is honored by other people of the nations morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you dishonor my name with your actions. You bring contemptible food. You are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord and you turn up your noses at my commands says the Lord of heaven's armies think of it animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings should should I accept from you such offerings as these ask the Lord man I, I gotta I want to gather so bad I feel a strong sense that the glory of God is going to be so much greater when we gather. But I want you to write this down. Now is not the time to gather. It's the time to assess the things we took for granted when we could gather. I'm going to read that again. Now is not the time to gather. It is the time to assess the things we took for granted when we could gather. This is the time to say, Lord, when you open it up, I'm going to bring my best. When you open it up, I'm going to give my best. When you open it up, I'm going to be on time. I'm not going to miss worship. I'm going to be there for the first song. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to read the Bible for myself. Lord, when you open up the building, I'm going to bring my best offering, not my large offering, my best offering. I'm going to be like the widow who brought two little mites, two little coins, and I'm going to bring my best to you, Lord. I will never take for granted again the gathering ever. Lord, will you... Will you make me a priest? I'm never going to, uh, again, allow uh, just what God tells Julian to be the only food I eat in your presence. God, I'm going to study your word. God, I'm going to pray. God, I'm going to stop posting so much anger and vitriol. And God, I'm going to start honoring your holy name. God, I'm going to be like Peter. And then those who I feel like are trying to kill me, I'm going to tell them about the promises of God. God, right now, I know we're not gathering, God. And maybe I took some things for granted, but right now I swear in your presence, never again, my life wholly belongs to you. I am royalty, a holy priesthood. And together as God's holy people, we form a nation that is a part of the kingdom that is greater. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. We got to. And I'm telling you that everyone who does this. And it will not be everyone, but everyone who does this under the sound of my voice, God is shifting favor from wicked. He's, he's giving, he's gave wicked, he's shifting favor, he's shifting finances, he's shifting anointing, he is shifting so many things to someone that would just take the time 
to repent of their own sins. Because the priest had to be a master repenter, not a master preacher. And I really think, I really think that God wants to address this in our church. He, he wants to address this. First Peter verse 2, 1 through 5 says, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and all envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that, it, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So God gave you a salvation that was too big for your flesh. So you actually can't walk in your salvation in your fleshly thoughts and anger. And matter of fact, God, I've been really angry. And people, when they're like, what about righteous anger? Can I give you just a bit of advice? You're not holy enough to handle God's anger. Moses missed out on the promised land trying to be angry on behalf of God. Exodus 32, when God was angry, Moses interceded in Exodus 33, God reveals his glory to Moses. Moses missed out on the promised land for trying to engage with God on his anger. When God's mad, the Bible says smoke and fire blast out of his nostrils. Your nostrils cannot, you don't want all the smoke. Your nostrils cannot handle the anger of God. The anger of God blasting out of your nostrils will deviate your septum, give you a sinus headache. Like you cannot handle it. Snot and just nastiness will jack you up. You, you, you barely can handle the grace of God. You don't want to get. I got to keep going. So God gives you a salvation. It's like God giving you something so amazing that you can't actually experience the fullness of your salvation until you allow the word, the pure spiritual milk of the word to grow you up to be able to handle the blessing that is salvation. Do you know what comes with salvation? Everything you pray for comes with salvation. Everything you believe for comes with salvation. Everything you want in this life that is actually something you should have comes with salvation. So God gives you everything you would ever believe for as a believer in the context of salvation. You don't need to believe anything else. If God would deal and give you uh, the solution to your number one problem, won't the Bible says if God did not withhold his one and only son, won't he with him give us freely all things? So he's saying you don't need to desire anything other than Jesus in salvation, because if I didn't spare my one and only son, won't I freely with him, not with you, not with your Republican, not with your Democrat, but with Jesus freely give you all things. Somebody say all things, put all things in the chat. So he's saying everything I want to give you as a believer is encompassed in the blessing of salvation. Therefore, I need to grow you up and mature you in your priesthood so that what the salvation that I already gave you can release that job, can release that thing, can release that anointing, can release that responsibility. As you grow up, I can show up. Do you hear the words that I'm coming out of my mouth? I really believe God is calling you right now to put your hand on your heart and say, I'm a priest, holy and royal before the Lord. And God began to release these things in salvation. This whole month, I haven't felt oppressed. 
because I'm the son of a king. This whole month, I haven't felt oppressed. That does not mean that there is not oppression. I didn't say there's not systemic oppression. I said, I don't feel it. <laughs> Woo! I said, it can't touch me. It's like a lint brush. Like where you, that's what happens in the presence of God. Things fall off of you in the glory of the Lord, because the only thing that can be sustained in the glory of the Lord and in the fullness of God's presence is your worship, not your worry. So if you're still worried, you haven't gone deep enough. You haven't gone deep enough. This is why it's so important that we accept some principles of being a priest. And I'm going to read to you six of them. The first principle is the priestly purging. Priorities, sin, character, and relationship. I got purged of my priorities. That's why I'm a pastor. That was not my priority. God is continuing to purge me of my sin. He purges things out of our character, and he definitely purges people. Some of y'all have lost his friends in COVID. Some of y'all have lost a boyfriend or a girlfriend in COVID. And it wasn't a breakup. It was a purging. You didn't do anything wrong. God is purging certain things because he's calling you to be a priest. And the thing about it is, is we, we get confused on what sin is. Like, we just name the big stuff. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. All the stuff that's bad. Don't smoke, don't drink. Got it. No, no, no. Romans 14 verse 23 says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not of faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. That means it's pretty easy to sin without faith. You have seen me sin when I'm preaching. You have seen people sin when they're working. It's not just the things we call sin. It's what you're doing apart from faith, apart from God. We, we got to receive and, and walk through the priestly purging. Can I give you another one? And they all start with P's. The alliteration. Isn't it great? Priestly power. We need some priestly power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. It is living by God's power. It is posting by God's power. It is praying by God's power. It is walking by God's power. It is everything you do. You are the engine of what you do is the Holy Spirit. That is really what God wants to do. There is a priestly power that God would give you. And here's the thing. You're just a vessel for it. And some of us are like better vessels than others. I love about God. God doesn't care. Some of us, men serving God, amazing. Like Patrick and Don Lombard, we're in their marriage. Y'all, if y'all have marriage problems, y'all got to go. Like, if you don't have marriage problems, y'all got to go. <laughs> like, if you have a marriage, y'all need to go to the marriage class. My wife and I are in a marriage class. I'm telling you, it was one time we got into it about something. I'm like, we're going to the marriage class. <laughs> but there's no shame in that. Because I'm looking for a priestly power in my marriage. I'm looking for a priestly power in my life. So I, anywhere that there's a priestly power, but you might be like them where you've been serving God for, forever. And you're just like, man, operating the power, you're like a Bentley to the Lord. Like he comes in, he just, he, I like this. And there's some people, you are 81 Dotson. 
And the Lord still rides it the same way. He's in it the same way. That's what makes him so amazing is because he's not like, he doesn't like the one that has the leather. He has the one with the ripped up seats that you got to roll down the window to order some from El Pollo Loco. He's like, I'm cool. Just let me in. I'll get us to where we're going and I will refine and restore along the way. So by the time we get to the destination, the whole thing has been restored. That's how he rolls. He's just all about the priestly power. And then we need priestly prayer. God's bringing prayer back to the church. He's bringing prayer back to the church. Prayer has left the building. You know, God, Jesus turned over the tables in the temple. And it probably had, it was amazing. It was like, it would have looked similar to like, a church service. Like, it's like they were offering for the sacrifices. They were selling stuff. And, and the point is he turned the tables over because yes, they were selling, but he, he said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. And I want you to take some things to the Lord in prayer that maybe, maybe you've posted about. I've done the same thing, man. I got some posts where I was just like, mm, I like this one. And you, you check the DMs every five minutes for everybody that agree with you. You ain't trying to help nobody. I'm a pastor and I did it, so I know you're doing it. <laughs> you try to do those sub posts, right? Like that, that you do those sub posts, so you post about something else that clearly means that you're not going to post about this. It's like on the day, let somebody go. I ain't even going to get into that, but like, I see so many sub posts. Like, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. You're picking a side, but you're not even bold enough to say you're picking a side. It's like, come on, we got to just pray. We got to pray. Priestly prayer. And priestly prayer often revolves repentance. There's been so many prayers happening in D.C. for God to heal our land. A lot of prayer gatherings. God heal our land. And I believe God wants to do that. But it says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, you can't just pray, heal our land. Heal our land is the fruit of people turning from their wicked ways. So you have to have assessed your wicked ways and then you don't need to pray. And then I will. It doesn't say pray that God would heal our land. It says... Humble yourself, pray, seek my face, not the healing, my face, and turn from your wicked ways, then I will forgive their sin and heal their land. The healing of the land was because they repented of their wicked ways and God forgave their sin. So it was sin that made the land sick. So you can't pray heal your land if you haven't said, Lord, here are my wicked ways. I repent. Because the, 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 the healing, the sickness that we want to heal is the sin of God's people. We got to have priestly prayer. That's a priestly prayer. Lord, my wicked ways. We need a priestly process. Dang, I we'll have to do part three. Because I got like, I got a few more things to say. We need a priestly process. Priestly process. And it, in Philippians 1 verses 4 through 6, it says, In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
wait a minute, your partnership in the gospel, they're sharing the gospel from the first day they heard it? I got to read this again because maybe I'm missing something. In my, all my prayers, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel after finishing growth track, joining the church internship and working harder than staff. And then after da 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 going to Bible college. No. No. Your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That's all. So from the first day I received Jesus, I can share Jesus. The first day of encountering the once and for all high priest, I can be a priest. I'm a priest in process, though. That means that as I walk in my priesthood, God is going to finish the process because it says being confident of this. So you start on the first day. And if you do take the internship, please work hard. Please do all that. But that the point of that is not so that you can become qualified. You're qualified on the first day. It says because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, not confident in you because you are awful. But I'm going to let you do it on the first day because what I'm confident of is that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. God doesn't say you're good for it. He says I'm good for it. That's what creates a priestly process. And I honestly believe, church, if we walk in this and some of these things about being a priest, God is going to shift some things in L.A., shift some things in our nation, shift some things in your family that has been following you around for generations. Generational curses will be broken in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, demons are running out of your living room that were that literally just toasted a Pop-Tart. Because <laughs> the point is, you're comfortable with the, you don't know. It's not like what we see in the movies. We think that stuff is God. And if we address this stuff, I really believe that God is going to move, especially leading into this season where we have maybe the most um, volatile election year we've ever had. And so I am going to do a part three next week. So I really believe the Lord is leaning into what does it mean to be prepared uh, to be a priest? And as God leads and the Holy Spirit leads, I'm challenged with this because as a pastor, everything I thought this was about, God is tearing down. And my wife and I have grieved what he torn down. And there's nothing wrong with what God is tearing down. Everything we did, we were supposed to do. It's just the old thing. And now God's doing a new thing. And, I, and we got to be careful. And hopefully, Lord, here, you know, Lord, forgive me if I've ever tried to make the old thing the bad thing. It's just, it's just the old thing. It's the old thing God was doing. And so all of us young leaders in church and everything, you know, new, new to leading church, be careful how you dishonor the people that have come before you because they're having a hard time letting go of the old thing. Thank God our pastors were able to pass the baton, but there are certain pastors maybe clutching the baton and we got to be careful we don't dishonor them. It's not, it's not that because when God said that scripture that Sam said earlier, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Forget the former things. You know what we think those former things are? All the stuff we've ever done. You know what former things God is talking about? He lists them in that passive scripture. 
He tells him for, to forget how he parted the Red Sea. He didn't say forget what you did. He said forget what I did. And if you have a hard time forgetting what God did, it might be because God wasn't doing it. You were doing it. So he's like, forget what I did. What I'm about to do is going to transcend and eclipse by far everything I've ever done before. And when he said that, he was talking about parting the Red Sea. So if God is telling the Israelites to forget parting the Red Sea, because what he's about to do is greater than that. You know what it was? Jesus. We think that if God parted this stage right now, you'd go, whoa, no. And I'm like, wait till next week. God's going to even do something even greater. Forget how the stage split in half and an angel descended down and poured oil on my head. Next week is going to even be even better. Forget about that. You'd be like, ooh, is it going to be two angels? Is it going to be amazing? And the next week I talk about Jesus and you're like, Where, where's the greater? Where's, where's the greater thing? I mean, the stage split in two. And you walked across the stage, you, the angel levitated you and dumped anointing oil on your head. Like you said next week, forget that. That next week was even going to be greater. And it's just Jesus? Oh, so the reason why I need to prepare to be a priest is because all of the conferences and the gatherings and the buildings packed with people, yes, that was you, but now the new thing you're doing is I just might be myself by myself with Jesus and I'll never have a better relationship. I'll never have more peace. I'll never. So the new thing you're doing is just Jesus. Man. The church that will struggle to survive, the Christian that will struggle to survive is the Christian who's unimpressed with Jesus and impressed with everything else because this is the new thing. We're getting back to Jesus and we're getting back to serving him as a royal priesthood and a holy nation, regardless of the politics, regardless of the pain, regardless of everything we're going to going through. I believe that God wants to do that. So I'm going to pray because I have so much to say. I feel like the Lord is speaking, but I'm going to pray and I'm going to hold it till next week. So Father in heaven, we thank you for sending Jesus. And right now, somebody just needs to receive the greater thing. Jesus, right now, someone who's been watching, you've been watching for three months, you've been watching for three weeks, and you just need to receive Jesus right now. Just like in Acts chapter two, from the first day, you can be a priest. Just like in Acts chapter 2, all you have to do, I mean, these people repented for killing Jesus. You can repent for the drugs. You can repent for the crime. You can repent for the sex. You can repent. These people repented for killing Jesus, and they were invited into a, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. So I'm inviting you, and no matter what you have done or where you have been, I know you have not killed Jesus. So there is no sin that you have that isn't bigger than God's grace, truth, and love that he wants to give you right now. And God is faithful to finish the work that he began. So if that's you, you can put in the chat, I'm receiving Jesus. You can put your hand over your heart. I'm receiving Jesus. And, and you, can, you can walk in the calling to be his son. Walk in the calling to be his daughter. And what I love about Jesus is he'll teach you how to do that as you go along. He'll teach you how to be a priest. He'll teach you how to be in his presence. He'll teach you how to serve him and serve uh, this city the way that you were called to do. And so I believe he's doing that right now. So Father, would you bless them? Would you care for them? Would you show them just who you are? And we don't have to repeat anything. We don't have to do what we call an altar call. God knows it's real and you know it's real. So Father, we bless this choice and this decision that they've made in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.